0: Hi, I'm Dennis Levitt. This is my lovely wife Tracy. Hi, I'm John Rudnick. We are Barry and Anita Chenault. My name is Edward Devlin. My name is Rosalie Devlin. Hi, we are Brent and Sheila Howell. My name is Matt Leisman. Hi, my name is Hannah Rollins. My name is Chad Peterson. My wife and I, we've been walking with the Lord for about 22 years together. Prayer is so vital to us. Uh, we've both been through some physical challenges and the Lord through prayer has got us through. We're part of this, the prayer team here at Gloucester and the prayer team prays for the church's needs, be it people, physical healing, and the church building. Rosalie and I were praying for a friend of ours and it's amazing. She started coming and then she brought her daughter. So Rosalie and I have been praying for months because you could tell she had a need and we know it was spiritual. I don't know if she knew that, but it's been amazing to watch God grow and change their family. We are in a parking lot one time and the lady came to me. So she said, can you pray for me for the brain cancer? Because the the doctor told her she only can live three months. So we pray in a parking lot that Sunday afternoon. And so she called me back Monday uh, and she said that the doctor would not find any cancer anymore. It it was God. I said it was God who do the miracle and you still can live Mm -hmm. a long life. Prayer is just like a, a oxygen to me, that I can pray anytime, I can pray everywhere, and it, it really changes the atmosphere of my situation, and the people that we pray for, it really impacted their lives. Amen, huh, church? I love that she said, uh, prayer is like oxygen to me. How would that change if prayer was our oxygen? And so that's why we're preaching on prayer. We want to encourage you in the discipline of prayer, but we also want to teach you a theology around prayer that the Lord Jesus taught us to pray. So do me a favor, get your Bible out, turn with me to Matthew chapter six, and uh, we're going to continue in the Lord's prayer. Get your note sheet out. Uh, if you're not yet in a small group, we really want you to be that in a small group. We always take a season of our calendar. Uh, this is our fall season, and we ask everybody to be in a small group, and the way you prepare for your small group is to take notes on your note sheet. We do sermon-based small groups, and and uh, this will prepare you. And uh, And so while you're kind of doing that and getting your Bible out, a couple quick announcements. Um, next Sunday, we are doing our class for parents and children. If you're children of the age where they maybe have received Christ and they want to talk about a baptism, and sometimes uh, when, in younger children, that can be a difficult uh, journey to take. And so this class is a help to you and to them and so you guys can sign up and go through that. Secondly we've got a mission opportunity uh, made for a mission. These are some people that get together and they actually sew blankets for some of the orphanages that we support and then we take them when we go on mission and so if that's something that interests you you can sign up or get more information and then at the end of October uh, we have Trunk or Treat coming. That's pretty self-explanatory go to gocoastal.org backslash events and uh, either sign up and decorate a trunk can come on out or plan on bringing your family and your neighbors great outreach opportunity too to introduce people to, to coastal and ultimately want to introduce them to Christ uh let me uh, I got to circle back for a minute to last week um I my wife and I both got blown up with text and emails uh, asking us who won the game We can't remember, and neither can anyone in our family. So you're as disappointed as I am, okay? So I don't know who won. If you're like, what's he talking about? Listen to last week's sermon. Okay, uh, there we go. So uh, as you as your kids get older, um, and my wife and I are merging slowly uh, onto the empty nester super highway, uh, and it's a great highway, by the way. You young parents, like, you know, it's a great highway. And I remember when my kids were younger, uh, we would almost never eat out. Uh, for one, it was expensive, and for two, it stressed us out to our last nerve, right? Like, Shh, stop, It's still. You know, that whole thing. That was just wasn't worth it to us. And so, uh, but we would go out, and I don't know, you parents, you remember this? Like, you go out and you you got your gift cards. We'd always go out, and we had gift cards, and we'd be sitting around at whatever restaurant, and you'd see all these other families eating out, and you're like, how do they afford to do this, right? Did you ever ask that question? I'm like, they're dropping $200. And so we just never ate out very much. But now that we're merging onto the, the Empty Nester Superhighway, uh, we, as we go, there'll be times where, like, on you know, a Friday or Saturday night, like, all our kids will be on. And then my 16 year old, who's my, who's my youngest, like, she'll be going out with a friend. She's like, I'm going out with my friends tonight. And we'll be like, oh, great. And I'll look over my wife and be like, hey, do you want to go out to dinner tonight? And as soon as I say that, my 16 year old gets irritated as if I owe her something. All right. And uh, she looks at me and she'll be like. Well, that's not fair. Like, what are you talking about? It's not fair. Well, I want to go out to eat too, and I'm like, you have a bank account. Go out anytime you want. We, you know, I just gave you that a couple of weeks ago. Have at it. Spend your money. I don't care. And uh, and so go out, and then she, and then she hits me with this. It's only one more plate, you know, as if you know I owe her that. And uh, and so you know, I look at my kids, and you parents know this. Like at the end of the day, genuinely, my kids have everything they need. Amen. So if my kids have everything they need, How much more is the God of the universe going to provide for us, right? And what happens is when we start adulting and we take on, and there's even what I would call biblical adult responsibilities, which we'll look at today. We somehow, even though the Lord gives us these responsibilities, somehow we think once the Lord gives us these responsibilities, he somehow then withdraws and it's all up to you to fulfill the responsibilities that he's given you. And it doesn't work that way where the Lord calls and gives responsibility, guess what else the Lord does? He provides, right? And so today, you know, so going through the Lord's Prayer, week one, what did we talk about? We talked about that, you know, we learned the character of the God that we're praying to is Jesus taught us to pray, right? Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we talked about this character of the God that we pray to. And then last week we talked about how Christ then taught us that the, the, the focus of our prayers should start and, and really be kind of bu- uh, surrounded with a kingdom minded prayer, right? That, you know, your kingdom come is, is kind of the center of our our prayer and your will be done. So we don't just, you know, we're reminded who God is and he's holy. Yes, we're intimate. He's our father, but yes, he's holy and separate. And then we come in, we're praying about kind of the, the will of the Lord to be done in and through our lives. That really should kind of bookend our kind of prayers. We're not just coming with some grocery list. And then today we're reminded that we can and should pray that, that the Lord provide us the daily sustenance that we need to carry out the will that he's called us to carry out everybody with us. So today we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And I want to pull a couple points out of this. And then we're going to finish this morning with the final illustration is you're going to be the illustration. Okay. You're going to come and take the Lord's supper as we declare that Christ is indeed in us. So the first thing is Jesus, I'm going to work backwards through the verse 11 of Matthew six. We ask for bread. And I think that it what Jesus is teaching us is that we ask for our necessities. Now, you know, I don't, I don't know if you think about all that goes in, uh, to you enjoying a loaf of bread or all that goes into you enjoying a meal. Right. And so letter A, like there, there's all of these blessings of God that go into us, having a loaf of bread. And I think we forget this sometimes, especially as Americans, you know, I would suspect most of us in this room have closets full of food and refrigerators and freezers full of food, right? So it's easy to lose sight of how much the hand and the blessing of the Lord is on us having our daily sustenance, right? I mean, for us to have a loaf of bread requires health. Our health, the producers of the breads, health, right? It requires technology. The reason the earth is able to, and by the way, if I hear one more podcast, the other services didn't get this. If I hear one more podcast on global overpopulation, I'm going to vomit. Vomit. We're not overpopulated. God in his grace has allowed us to develop technology that the earth can now sustain 7 billion people. And if we grow to 10 billion, God will allow us to develop technology to handle 10 billion. Amen? Like, let's stop with this. Like, God told Adam and Eve to have dominion over the earth and to multiply. And to put a clamp on human growth and people having children is to disobey the word of the Lord. Let's stop it. All right. Some of y'all didn't think that far through the scriptures and see the life that we live through. We have the technology to have a loaf of bread. Good weather requires good. The the appropriate weather patterns that the Lord gives us to eat our bread. We have to have the buildings and structures. You have to have stability of government. Did you know part of the inflation that we're experiencing is that Ukraine is one of the top producers of grain in the world? And so, because they're at war, there's not as much grain to be produced. The stability of governments is one of the grace and peace, right? Christmas time, when the angels show up, right? Peace on earth, they declare, and goodwill towards men. Peace on earth comes because of Christ. And so, peacetime helps us to be productive and resourcing so that we can have our daily needs. Med, our daily bread. The second thing I think when we're asking for our daily bread, our, our, our daily necessities is that we're asking that the Lord allows to get our bread in a way that's honest and industrious, right? Honesty. And we're not to steal our daily bread, right? We're to earn our daily bread. We're to work for it. We're, 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 we're actually part of the request is, Lord, I want to be productive in a way that you bless the work of my hands so that it provides. Provides for our needs, right? And, and so this reminds, and by the way, if you're here this morning and you're super successful in business, even a successful person, unless you are proud and unwise, would you not recognize, man, it is the hand of the Lord that has blessed me to be successful. I know many of us at dinner time we pause and we give thanks and we should, but man, it's it's really sometimes I think even in our routineness of praying over the meals, we forget just how much God's grace and mercy has blessed us when we eat our food. Isn't that true? And, and Paul, I think, I think what Jesus is saying is even in our industry, we're asking the Lord to bless our industry. Check this out in 2 Thessalonians, unless you think I'm making this up. 2 Thessalonians 3.10, the apostle Paul writing to the church of Thessalonica, he says this, ready? If anyone is not willing to work, what's it say next, church? Let him What? Did you know that was in the Bible? Doesn't that seem kind of harsh? Listen, God has created us to be industrious. Actually, I think when we get to heaven, uh, this is a Sean Brown speculation, so if I'm wrong, you can look me up in heaven and go, you were wrong about that, okay, and I probably won't be the only thing, but I actually think the Lord is going to, in all of eternity, we're still going to have a job to do. There's going to be some industry, because part of the curse of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were to tend the garden and take care of it. Part of the curse was, hey, now it's not going to produce like it used to. Like There's going to be frustration and thorns and thistles, and I think when we get to heaven, we're going to kind of Go back to the Garden of Eden and have this thing that we're supposed to be a part of. But laziness is part of the fall of mankind. The idea that we're not supposed to give a good day's work and produce something is part of the lie from the pit of hell. It is a good thing for you to have a job and to work hard and watch the Lord bless your hard work to produce the necessities for yourself and for your family. And actually, the scriptures command us to also have a little bit left over to share. Amen? Amen. So look at 2 Thessalonians 3.10. If anyone's not willing to work, let them not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness. Not busy at work, but busybodies. On social media too much. It's not really in there, I just put it in. Now, such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do what? To do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Some of you are going to take what I'm about to say as political. I don't think it's political. I think it's biblical. Did you know that we are not to look to the government to provide our needs? Not to look to the government. Christians should not be saying, man, the government owes me something. We're taught to pray. Give us this day what? Where are you to look for your daily bread? To the Lord, right, and it should come with industry, productivity. Getting up each day and saying, "I, I want to produce something," and I'm going to ask the Lord to to bless my productivity and 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 be gracious to me, so that He provides enough that then I, I have enough for my family and enough left over to share. A Christian, when a Christian gets hit with an unexpected expense that they can't pay and they're in over their head. They get hit with a crisis. You know where a Christian is supposed to go to find the, 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 the resources to make up the difference? Their church. And, if they come, and we're that church for you. If you're a member here, we, we have room in our budget to help you. And we want to help you, and we will help you. But the help is also going to come with accountability. We're going to look and make sure you're budgeting well. That gets uncomfortable, right? That's what makes the government such a horrible place for this, because there's no accountability. Hey, we're here to help, but there's no accountability. The proper tensions are, hey, are you doing the parts that you need to do? And yes, we're here to help when something unexpected happens. Amen? If you're not in that kind of church, well, you're here. You should be, all right. You should be in a group of people. Who say, man, we are here to help. The other see. Praying for our daily bread frees us from anxiety, right? We're understanding as we pray, like the Lord provides my daily bread. The Lord ultimately cares for me, and it frees me from anxiety. I don't have to be so pent up about, man, all my needs. How many of you are weary in the investment world of your 401k? Like, man, 2022 could just go away for all I care, right? Can I tell you something? I have never lost a wink of sleep with the money that I've donated, the money I've given away has always been with joy and done great. The, the places that have caused me heartburn in regards to my financial resources is the times I've invested it. All right? The times I've invested, I'm like, oh man, oh my goodness, the S&P, you know, the Dow Jones, holy cow, what's going on? And it creates anxiety in us. The reason we grow in anxiety is we often forget. And listen, I'm all for investing. And honest to goodness, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd probably be a financial planner, right? It's my second favorite thing in my life, in life. But it doesn't provide for us. God does. And when we grow in anxiety and it means that your heart has been captured by your savings account and not by your God because your God is going to provide everything you need. Look what Jesus says just a few verses later after he teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread." Matthew 6, 25. Jesus goes on to say, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or save in a 401k or gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Church, aren't you more valuable than the birds flying in the sky? Yes. Right. I know. I know we live in this world that's gone mad and some people are like, I don't know. Yes, you are actually right They're Humans actually God made them different than the animals. <laughs> And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to your lifespan? And why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, and by Gentiles, He means those who are not followers of Christ, right? For unbelievers, they seek all these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all this stuff. It's going to be added unto you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough anxiety of itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God's got you, church. Isn't that great news? And the prayer is God's got you one day at a time. It's not give us this decade our daily bread. Give us this month our daily bread. It's what? Give us this this day. We trust God on a daily basis. Listen, this is going to challenge at least one person in this room. Some of you in this room, you are so anxious about the midterm elections like you're spun up. Now listen, I'm a huge believer that Christians should steward their vote. We should vote and we should vote with a Christian worldview. And I, I'm not going to talk about that this morning. But it's not capturing to us. Because God is sovereign and God is able and God is going to provide your daily needs no matter who is in office. Isn't that great news? We see this in the story of Joseph. You know, the story of Joseph, Genesis 37 to 50, 13 chapters of one of the most amazing stories you'll ever read. Joseph is sold as a teenager into slavery. He ends up in a guy's house by the name of Potiphar because he's faithful to the Lord. He raises in responsibility in Potiphar's house until Potiphar's wife lies about him and accuses him of a sexual crime that he didn't commit. But Potiphar comes home, gets mad at Joseph, puts him into prison. Joseph is unjustly accused and unjustly sent to prison. But God's got his hand with Joseph and Joseph begins to rise up in authority in prison because he's a godly man and he's righteous and God just continues to. Bless him. And then then Pharaoh, the second most powerful man on the planet, sends two of his uh, servants into prison. Joseph interprets their dreams. They both come true. One of them remembers when Pharaoh has a dream. Oh, there's a guy in prison named Joseph that interprets dreams. And before long, Joseph is second in charge of the most powerful nation on the planet. And then, incredibly, a global famine hits the entire globe and everybody's hungry and joseph's family make their way to egypt and guess what they end up with plenty of food even with an evil leader named pharaoh how'd that happen because god 's in charge, and God takes care of His children, and we pray to God and say, "God, give us this day our daily bread, because God is sovereign and able to do whatever He wants to do, however He wants to do it, whenever He wants to do it, and if He cares for the birds of the air, He will care for you amen, and so man, God cares for you, and he 's going to provide for you so number two right, the second thing which we 've already kind of hinted at right is god 's giving hand. We pray, God, give us, give us. It comes from you, oh God. So in other words, we're beholding letter A. We're beholding to God's grace and mercy. We don't, we don't worship a chintzy God. Letter B, God is generous. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter eight that God has already taken care of your greatest need. Your greatest need is the deficit of your sin against the holy character of God. And your greatest need is for your sin to be forgiven. And God took care of that by giving his very, very best gift, his one and only son. So surely he's gonna make sure that you eat today. Amen? It says that in Romans 8, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Well, how will he not also uh, with him graciously give us all things? It's, it's the greater to the lesser argument. God has already given us the greatest thing he can give you. So surely he's going to make sure you have food and shelter and the things that you need to fulfill what he's called you to do while you're here on the planet. We just sang about this in the hymn of heaven, right? When we stand with the heroes of the faith and I always, love, uh, I always love Hebrews 11 as a reminder of the heroes of the faith, right? When you read about the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11, some of them get earthly blessings, right? And they're wealthy and they have flocks and they have land and they're, they're blessed here on the planet and some of them get sown in two. Think about that, right? Some suffer, but all of them understand that their life is just a vapor. It's just a short, short season called life. And all of them understand that forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and ever, and ever they're going to live under the blessing of the Lord. Right. And what we don't know is what our season called life is effective. And I would say probably most of us in this room, we would be globally speaking, income wise, you're probably in, the top 10 and maybe even top 5% income earners around the globe. Y'all didn't know that, did you? You are. Go Google it. And so I think that this next verse applies to us, to you, right? First Timothy six, as for the rich in the present age, charge them not to be haughty. That means not to be proud nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who does what? Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. You know what I think that means? If you have enough money to take a nice vacation, praise God, take a nice vacation. And if you know somebody gets to take a nice vacation and you can't afford it, then you should rejoice with them because God's given them what they are to steward and they will answer to the Lord for the amount that they have. Yes? Yes? And you have the amount that you're to steward because that's what God gave you to steward. And if you're one of the rich that God has blessed you, you have all things for your enjoyment, but I also want to riverbank you and say, you know, one year instead of taking a nice vacation, you ought to take a missions trip to give your worldview the proper perspective so that you're constantly tugging at your heart saying, you know what, I need to be generous as well. I need to be generous as well. I need to be generous as well. God has given us all things for our enjoyment and he's called us to be generous. Which is it? Yes. Amen. The third thing is, because God's involved, when he, and he, we understand He provides, it produces thanksgiving, right? We're, we're to be a thankful people. God, you've given us my daily bread, and so we're grateful. Whatever we have, we're really grateful. I, I, yesterday, I was started reading Job. I'm reading through the Bible with you guys. I think I'm on a little different track, but I'm reading an old school plan I have, but I started in Job, Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1 is really disturbing to me because it starts with this little glimpse into the kind of the throne room of God where Satan shows up and says, and God starts bragging on Job. Hey, check out my guy, Job, man. He really loves me. Like he's all in. And what's Satan say? Well, of course you protect him. He's got everything. Take the stuff away. And see if he doesn't still trust you and believe in you. So God says, have at it. I always read that and go, have at it. What if that was me? You know, what if that was you? And then the story is just one servant after the next servant. Your flock is gone. Your kids are gone. Your house is gone. Everything's gone. And Job does what? He falls on his face. And he said, is it the Lord who gives? takes away. And then he says something amazing, right? Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, at the end of the day, we recognize that the things of the world should grow strangely dim. If we have them, they're still dim to us. It's not stuff that's evil. It's stuff that has our heart. That's the problem. And so whether we have it or we don't have it, at the end of the day, we are thankful that our God is going to provide all that we need according to his riches and glory. And he's going to give us all that we need to bring praise and glory to his name. And therefore, we are a people that can always enter into his presence with thanksgiving in our hearts. And into his courts with praise, Psalm 100. That is how we enter the presence of the Lord. Third thing I want you to see, this prayer and the provision of God is in community. Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, give us. There's a plurality to our prayers, right? There's letter A, you know, it's we're to praise and prayer in community. It's not give me, it's give us. There's a corporate nature, right? Or to sing in community. I I know that, I know we sing in our cars, you know, hopefully your car has a good sound system, you know, and you get singing, you can't hear yourself, it's great, you know, and we're singing, and, but there, there's something about singing in community, isn't there? Like, that just as we're singing about the days of Elijah, by the way, as we're singing that song, I'm like, you better know your Bible, or this song is not going to make any sense to you, right? You better be reading your Bible to know the days of Elijah. In fact, I was saying to Pastor Spencer, I said, I, you know, I've never really heard that song before. And he's like, really? It's an old camp song. How many of y'all grew up at camp singing Days of Elijah? All right, so here's what I've discovered. You went to camp, like, in the early 2000s. I earlier, all right, earlier. I went to camp in the '80s, early '80s, maybe even late '70s, and so we sang, "Give me gas for my Ford, keep me trucking for the Lord." All right, and uh, <laughs> Robbie, where are you? Robbie knew all the words of the song. He was, I see your family. Robbie was singing it with me. You know, it's not very. Uh, It's not very eco-friendly, you know, back in the seventies, we didn't care about the environment, Uh, but you know, that's what we're saying. But there's something about singing in community, right? Like it's just, it it does something to your heart and your soul that you're not alone in this journey. And the same thing, let her be like, I think Jesus is calling us to pray in community. If you give, we pray together. So are we praying by ourselves? Should you have a daily quiet time? Of course. Yes. And like our, our testimonial video, like prayer is an oxygen. Like we should be praying all the time. But man, God has called us also to pray in communities. Why you need to be in a small group that you're praying with other people. My wife and I, when we were leading our small group a couple of years ago, one of the things that we did is each the interview it's, um, Small group, we would take the prayer request and then, you know, we would do the eight or 10 weeks together like we do our season. And then the very last week, you know, what we would do, we would get the prayer list out and we'd start reading them and we would ask people, Hey, tell us what God has done. And it was amazing how many times the Lord had answered the prayers that we were praying in community week one. In just eight weeks, God moved. Who knew he could work so fast, right? Like incredible. And so praying in community, which number four, then it leads to reminder, point number four of our daily dependence. So it's give us this day, Our daily bread, right? And so it reminds us of daily dependence. We're daily to, I'll get through this, so I'll be fine. Um, We are to daily depend on the Lord. There is not a breath that we take, a drink that we drink, a word that we say, a step that we take that does not fully depend on Christ. Amen? Doesn't fully depend on the Lord. There's nothing you have nothing you're going to have. There's no success or necessities that don't come fully and finally from Christ. In fact, I would suggest to you, did you notice that um, in your life, this is my experience and experience of a lot of Christians that I know, that when you give your life to Christ, very often there's particular sins in your life that, that by the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit in you and the word of the Lord and community, like the Lord just seems to immediately deliver you from. Like they just go away. Like, I oh, mean, I used to do this and and now it's just gone. And there, you can list a whole bunch of particular sins that you used to struggle with and now they're, they're just like, God his grace has taken away. Except that one, right? Just that one, like, man, why do I... I I constantly struggle with. It might be an addiction. It might be your temper. It might be gossip. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's alcohol. Like there's there's one and you're you're praying about it. You're like, Lord, just like, why won't you take it away completely? Like, the wrestle. I'm sick of the wrestle. And I think about the Apostle Paul, right? He says, I have this thorn in the flesh. I prayed three times the Lord would remove it. And what did God say to him? My grace is what? sufficient for you. And he never tells us what the thorn in the flesh is. And I think it's good because it could be all kinds of things. It could be a particular sin that you struggle with until the day that your faith becomes sight. And it's actually a gift to you to remind you to daily depend on Christ. Like if I'm going to be sober today, if I'm not going to look at pornography today, if I'm not going to lose my temper today, if I'm not going to gossip today, I've got to get up and I've got to feast on Christ. Like Christ, I need you all day on Monday. And then you get up on Tuesday, and you're like if I'm not going to do this particular sin, like, and I'm going to hate sin. And if you start loving your sin, then maybe you're not a Christian. And I really mean that. But if you're a Christian, you're going to hate your sin. You get up on Tuesday, like I hate this sin. I don't know why I constantly do it. And, and so you get up on Tuesday and you depend on Christ. And then you get up on Wednesday and it goes every single day all the way till this thing called life is over. And by the way, part of that wrestle and part of that, man, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. It should make your heart long for heaven. Amen. Amen. Like I think one of there'll be many great joys in heaven. But one of them is, man, my wrestle with my own pride and sin. God, it's it's Romans seven for me. Who is going to give me the victory over this body of death? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, I cannot wait till that wrestle is fully and finally open, which reminds us point number five. That ultimately, I think the Lord's prayer here, give us this day on daily bread is a reminder that every single day I need Christ in me. So yes, there, this is a, there's a practical piece of this prayer that God provides our physical needs and necessity, but here's the deal, you ready? I hope this is not news to you this morning, but maybe it is. You do not get out of this thing alive Every single one of us gets a funeral. And so what do we need if we're really going to have eternal life? We actually, so yes, there's a physical side to the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Give us this our daily, but, but there is a spiritual side that I need Christ as the bread of life in me. My soul, my heart, my mind needs to feast daily on my need for Jesus Christ alone. Jesus said that as much in John chapter 6. What did he say? Check this out. I mean, this is like a really bold statement. And I think he knew he was teaching the Lord's Prayer. In John chapter 6, verse 48, he said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers, they ate manna in the wilderness. You better know your Old Testament, by the way. And they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that One may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Why did Jesus get so weird here? What's he talking about? Did you know that the early Christians, because of this teaching of Jesus, were accused of being cannibals? Actually, that's that's why they ended up in the Roman Colosseum. That the false narrative around Christians is they're so weird. They're cannibals. They talk about eating the flesh of Jesus. The idea is Jesus is Jesus wanted this truth to be hard. Because he wants us to understand that if I am going to have eternal life, if I'm going to be serious minded about Christ, I need to feast on Christ. Every, he needs to be my all in all. More important than physical bread, I need spiritually Christ in me. And so let me give you this. What does it mean to have Christ in you? Well, we use the term around here, gospel. The word gospel means good news. But before you understand the good news, you have to know the bad news. As we talked about this two weeks ago, that the character of God, he's sinless, he's holy. And we have a nature, we're born with a nature in rebellion to the character of God. We're we're just, right? How many of y'all, with your young children, how many of y'all had to teach your children to to hoard their toys? No, you have to teach them to do what? What? To share. Why? Because their nature has been me and yours is too. That's my name. We have a nature that is not naturally generous. We're naturally rebellious to the character of God. And because God is holy, he actually what we deserve is the punishment and the wrath of God. So when we talk about and here's a church word, we talk about being saved. You know, you're actually being saved from the very character of God. So when we talk about God giving his son, it is God saving us from God. I don't know if you ever thought about that. It's God saving you and I from what his character demands. And so what, now here's the good news. So what did God do? He gave his very best gift, his one and only son, who took on flesh. He suffered and died on the cross where God poured out his wrath and his hatred for sin. Your sin, my sin, sin. And he bore the sin and he bore the shame too. Like we don't even have to walk around in shame anymore. I mean, Christ took that. And he died paying the penalty of sin, the wages of sin is death. Christ took that. And then he laid his body in his grave and authentic to authenticate that he is who he said he was. He conquered the grave, rising again three days later. And therefore, when now here's the good news, here's how do we receive Christ in us? Okay, the gospel message is simple and profound at the same time. It's so simple that we have to offer a kid's class on baptism so that so that you can work because your kids can understand the gospel. And they're going to come to you. I want to tell others that I believe in Jesus and I want to be baptized. Right. And yet, it, it's so humbling that the older we get, the less often the statistics show we're less likely to give our hearts to Christ because we get so full of ourselves. It's got this simple profundity to it. And so, how do I have Christ in me? I admit that I'm a sinner. The word confess, I agree with God. God says I'm a sinner, I agree. And I repent of my sin. That means I do a 180 and I turn from doing things my way and I say, I'm going to want to start doing things God's way according to his word. And the only reason I can be forgiven of my sin is I believe, so I can confess and repent of my sin and I believe in God's rescue plan. Jesus. His person and his work. What's his person? He's the son of God. Jesus is God. And his work. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross for our sin, and he bodily rose from the grave. And I believe that God says that's the rescue plan. I believe that. And then I receive Christ into my heart. That means he comes in, the Holy Spirit comes in, and begins to change my heart and mind to make me from the inside out more like Jesus. So it's not behavior modification. Well, now I just need to be good. No, you've received the gospel. The Spirit of God now lives in you and is molding you to be more like Christ from the inside out. And when you repent, believe, and receive Christ, now Christ is in you. Everybody with me? And he's transforming you from the inside out. And so one of the things that the Lord Jesus Christ has given us to remind us of this incredible truth that indeed Christ is in me is this thing called the Lord's Supper, okay? And so today, you're the closing illustration. If you're here this morning and Christ is in you, you've received the gospel, You're going to take the Lord's Supper and by taking it in front of us all, you're going to be testifying. I've received this gospel. Pastor Sean, you can hold me accountable. Elders of this church. You can hold me accountable. I'm declaring by taking these elements that I have received the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do three things when we receive and take these elements. Okay. It's we're looking backwards that God in Christ has taken care of my sin. We look at what Jesus has done. As we take this bread, these crackers, this bread reminds us of the broken body of Christ for my sin. And the cup reminds us that his blood was poured out for my forgiveness of sin. Secondly, we look inward. It's no accident that what God has given us to remember the work of Christ are natural elements of food, right? And it reminds us that, yes, indeed, Christ is in me. As I take these elements in me, Christ is in me. By the power of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of me. Christ is now in me. And as we take these elements, the scriptures say we look forward. When Jesus returns, what does the Bible call that moment when Jesus returns? A wedding feast, right? You eat at a wedding feast. And so it reminds us, I'm also looking forward to the day Christ returns and my faith becomes sight. And so this morning, church, we get to celebrate this together. Amen. Now, who gets to take the Lord's Supper? only those who are Christians, according to the scriptures. In fact, the scriptures say, if you take the Lord's Supper and you haven't actually received Christ, you're actually making a mockery of this very sacred moment. And God sees your heart. And the Bible says you're actually eating and drinking judgment upon yourself. So if you're here today, you're not yet a Christian, like you can do one of two things. And I would encourage you to do the latter. But the first thing you can do is just sit tight. So only going to take us a few minutes. You can watch us as Christians get up. We'll take the Lord's Supper together. Just sit tight, sit in your seat. Everybody's going to come forward. And you just and wait till it's over. Here's the second thing I would encourage you or so you can either sit tight or you can receive Christ today. Like what's taking you so long? Like you're here today. It's no accident you're here. Maybe you've been coming. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been working on it. So I'm going to close with prayer in just a minute. And you can say, you know what? I'm a sinner. I agree with God. I confess my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I want to believe God's rescue plan, the person of work of Christ, and I invite Christ. I believe in Christ. I receive Jesus into my heart and life. And then this can be your first word supper. You get to come forward and announce to the church, "I'm a believe. I'm I'm trusting Jesus." As you take these elements, isn't that cool? So I would encourage you to do that instead. And so here's what we're gonna do. Okay, we at Coastal we don't we're not going to pass the elements today okay i'm going to invite you forward to take them now a uh, couple real practical elements all right so first of all if you like you have a gluten allergy we have gluten free over here so on my left it's all the way on the so you have to you're right you have to make your way that way I'm going to put a little screen up. Okay. So we're going to go quickly and we'll get you out of here in time. So I'm going to put a screen up so you can see how you can get through this quickly. And then we're going to close with a real simple song this morning. Okay. So it's going to be just a real simple closing and we're going to meditate on a little bit on the Lord's prayer and meditate on our singing on Christ in us. And then you're going to be dismissed. So that's how we're going to do it. If you need prayer, our prayer team will be up here after the service. We want to invite you to pray. All right. So I'm going to lead us in prayer and then when when you're ready, you can come as an individual. You can come with your small group. You're sitting with your small group. Bring your small group up. You guys, what I would encourage you to do, get your elements or here with your family. Your family comes up. You get your elements. Make your way back to the chair. Pray over the elements and then take them together, okay? Uh, but as you're ready, you come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for a great morning of worship. And now, God, we've, we've prayed this prayer that you've taught us to pray. We've focused on who you are, God. You're holy. You're our father. You care for us, but you're, you're, you're separate as well. You're in heaven. And God, we've been praying. We want your will to be done in our lives. We want your kingdom to come. Nothing greater than your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And now, God, we're reminded of this journey called life, how much we need you. We need you to provide our necessities. Give us this day our daily bread. And we're reminded that's a daily need, God. We, we depend on you for everything. And we're reminded that we desperately need Christ as our Savior, God, to provide for us eternal life, our greatest need. And God, for the one in this room that maybe doesn't know you yet and your spirit's been working on I pray right now, God, they would say, you know what, I'm a sinner. And I understand Christ died for me and he rose again. And I receive him today as Savior. And today, God, this would be their first Lord's Supper. And all of us in this room, as we take these elements in community, God, we're announcing both to you and to one another. Christ is in us. He is our daily bread. He is truly all that we need, all that we have. We rest, we trust, we need you. Jesus, our daily bread. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. When you're ready, you come.